Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Whether you're a brand, large or small business or an individual, you need customers or clients, and the chances are some of your potential customers are probably listening to this podcast right now. From history, when Napoleon led Boulogne for a year, politics, if that person is poor, it's a bad neighborhood. Then you have the disproportionate police brutality, which is meted out instantly at people of color. Culture, had they written it that Chris called an ambulance for hours straight away, and we wouldn't have learned about the severity of alcohol withdrawal either. Well done to the writers. Thank you for making a wonderful podcast, but I'd give Rotherham a miss. (laughs) (laughs) The Rotherham Tourist Board. Geekdom. The flag is a graphic symbol, not a verbal symbol. Why don't we just write France on the flag? I mean, we laugh when you think of putting a country's name on a flag. Society or music. Young people began to turn away from their parents' ethics and their style of dress and they began to dance to a new type of music. Royfield Brown's podcasts are downloaded just under 100,000 times a month. So putting your message here could well be a wise investment. If you have something to hawk, sell, or promote, why not email royfield at gmail.com and hear your product or service promoted to up to 100,000 articulate listeners today. We are a small secondary college in a country town in Northern Victoria, Australia. We believe that we are unique. My name's Matt Carver, current principal at St Mary of the Angels. When we arrived, there was an old... So I've got a podcast, um, which I run through my little school. Hi, my name is Michaela Brooks. I'm the senior school team leader. My favourite thing about St Mary's is the students. So if you are interested in education or just what it's like to be someone who's in a small country town in Victoria in Australia, I'd love you to listen. It's Angles and Angels. All the second stage tanks now pressurised. The podcast that I'm working on at the moment and is going to be released sometime in the new year It's the story of how a small little Wiltshire town became one of the most weirdest places on the planet. A focus for UFO sightings and all kinds of things. To the point that a local paper actually put out a headline of prepare for alien invasion. There's this really brilliant story about people who belong to UFO groups and the rivalry between them. That's the story that I've been fascinated with since I was a kid, because I lived just down the road. So look out for it. It's just simply called 
Warminster. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight Wow, wasn't she good? It's fantastic, is that Mia? Uh, It was absolutely, that was Mia Fox folks Very seasonal, but folks, you know what, guess what? This is Dumby Dum, the show about the reality ducky drama that are centred at Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the William Wilberforce, who is Royfield Brown, and with me I have our rabid abolitionist, who is... Rosie Porty. And this week's John Brown, folks, is... Quentin Rayner. And this week's Dumpty Dum, as we said at the top of the show, is from R. Mia Fox. Now, as always, it's been a kerfuffle trying to get this thing up for you. Uh, we've gone from platform to platform, but we've decided we're going to kick Zencaster in the proper goonies from here on in. And we're doing this on Zoom. And you're saying, Royfield, why are you telling me this? Because it sounds exactly the same as normal. And that's because I is the king, the what, what, what? of the edit so you're listening to this and going it sounds like a dumby dum to me but we've had to really uh push knobs and pull out wires and all sorts to make this happen but enough of me and us and our travails rosie somebody else would like to replicate maybe even try and surpass what our mia fox has done by sending this in a dumby dum how can that be done well it's going to be a tall order following that amazing singing but if you would like to sing us a dumpty dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203-031-3105, leave us a message on SpeakPipe, or send a text starting with dumb to 077-86-200-690. We have had more platforms than King's Cross, but we're finally up and running, and uh, <laughs> we should always... <laughs> We should say thanks to our social media supremos, Cosmo, for his podcast roundups, uh, who always chibbies you, Royfield, if you don't actually give him the facility on Twitter. He's on, he's on your case straight away, I've noticed. Yeah. I've got to say thanks to Mike Hatton for his character counts and Shambridge for our wonderful voices. And of course, Lucy V. Freeman, the one and only. Mm. On this week's episode, we only have two calls, but you know what? That's all good because it's Christmas. I know that you're there. Uh, Tommy's full of turkey, turkey sandwiches, Christmas pud, all of that. So you've had better things to do than to to call in and and they, do call. But they, they've had they've had so much to digest over Christmas on the on the arches there, Royfield. What's what's wrong with our dumpy well, yeah, dumbers? They yeah. should be clamouring to get on. They should, but you know what it is? They've been sated. They've been sated uh, <laughs> by. Uh, Not only a great week in Ambridge, but by all this bloody uh, Christmas turkey. And the other thing is as well, when I woke up today, I wasn't actually aware it was Monday. Were you, Rosie? Clearly. (laughs) 
It's a bank holiday. <laughs> well, well, I knew it, it was Monday. Well, but it is that funny, weird period where every day is basically a Sunday. And I've got a sneaky feeling that's kind of tripped up our listeners because this happens every year, to be said. So, but anyway, two calls, occasional Tony and with a spoon. But first, it's Amber's The Week That Was Ambridge. Hello, Dumpty Dum. I'm Amber, and on this festive week in Ambridge... Oliver Sterling once again proves that money needn't mean snobbery and shows true kindness to our Tracy. David proves you're perfectly capable of snobbery without money, dry heaving over even having to breathe the same air as Mince Casey for half an hour. Mince proves to be philanthropist of the hour, telling David how he gifted his dad a classic car, raised a child who isn't biologically his, built an annex for his mother, and is currently working on saving orphans from burning buildings and solving world hunger. Kirsty throws Philip to the mercy of the police as she Sherlocks her way through every single detail of the horse's uh, slaves saga. And that was the week in Ambridge. Thank you for that, Amber, as always, a concise roundup of our week. We don't exactly have a hot topic, but there is a hot topic. And um, why don't you read out our little missive from Leslie Greaves, Rosie, which was posted on Facebook. I will. And it was very pertinent and to the point. So this is from Leslie Greaves. You presumably love your husband as you've only just married him. You find out he's done something criminal and despicable. Do you? And we have four options for you. A, phone the police without a moment's thought. B, take a few hours to absorb the facts and the implications, then phone the police. C, have an almighty row and then try and find the horses and put it right without phoning the police, then leave your husband. D, stand by your man. Discuss. Mm. Oh, was that Tammy Wynette or was that Dolly Parton, stand by your man? That started off as Tammy and it drifted. I was trying to get to Dolly and I don't think I got anywhere near either of them. Um... <laughs> Because <laughs> I was trying to decide which option I'd go for. Mm. Uh, I think it's Tammy, I, stand by your man. Was right. it Tammy? You're right, actually. Mm. Well, let's throw the question out uh, to you, Rosie P. Obviously, within the construct of a 12-minute docudrama, we want resolution. And we've had nine months build-up of this from when we knew that it was modern slavery. And arguably, actually, it's been 18 months of this whole thing so we want resolution and we've had some level of resolution obviously there's going to be another layer of this which is when the village finds out and they realize so many uh, village projects have been um, compromised on second listening i did think it was resolved a little bit too fast but i just thought leslie phrasing thus um then actually i think the script writers have missed a trick we could have had a sweat a little but what do you reckon rosie p so this, I guess there's two sides. One, um, Kirsty's character, definitely, you know, she definitely would just get on the phone to the police. Once she'd worked it out, I don't think she would sit on her laurels and think about it. I think she would go straight to A, in my view, because she's had about 24 hours to think about what sort of something wrong with Philip anyway, because he was in Telford with Victoria and she's mm. had 24 hours in between Gav leaving and him getting back. So she was already very suspicious about him. So she's already kind of, in a way, I think, mentally left him. 
because I think she thought he was having an affair. When she kind of unraveled what he'd been doing with you know Blake Kenzie and Jordan, I think it was very true to, to Kirsty for her to go straight to A. Well, Leslie is putting it to us, isn't it? Rather than putting ourselves imagining what Kirsty should or shouldn't do. So she's saying, What would you do? Um uh, Rose is right in terms of Kirsty. She's very impulsive and principled, and how she reacted is probably how we expected her to react. But I think uh, if you put it out to other people, B and C are very tempting, aren't they? There's a lot in there. I think dramatically, C has more in it in terms of have an almighty row, then try and find the horses and put it right without phoning the police, then leave your husband. So as, if I was a scriptwriter, be tempted by that wouldn't you because there are so many options there that you could go for i think most people will go for b or c take a few hours to absorb the facts and the implications then phone the police since you just married your man and presumably you're still desperately in love i think ultimately obviously it ends up with the police but i think the route would perhaps not be quite so direct for most people i completely agree i think it's it's b or C. And I think as morally righteous as Kirsty is, she I think even she'd go for B. Think it thinking about this. And and I take your point completely, Rosie, that she knew something was wrong. She just didn't know what. But you're not expecting modern slavery. You're not. She was expecting, as she said at the start of that episode, well, you know, who were you with? What was her name? What was her name? And he says, well, I was at the travel lodge, you know, and, he's, and she's like, who with? You're not expecting that. And that's going to knock everyone for six. An affair is going to knock you for six. But she was expecting him to say, well, actually, it was, you know, um, the accountant, whatever, whoever. It's, it, it, it was a woman. And you're not expecting this. And she's completely on second listening, admittedly. She didn't have any time actually to process that because you're not expecting that, are you? So I think Really, this is this is B. The key word in, from Leslie's post is is that you know would you take a few hours to absorb the implications? And I think in some ways Kirsty hasn't done that. In fact, this was picked up on the Twitters by Dominic Young in particular, and, and he tweeted, "Oh my God, did Kirsty say she did the books? She's going down." And of course. You know, that is an area where she's going to struggle to defend herself because uh, she will probably be accused of guilt by association. But I mean, in, in terms of sort of Leslie's points, I mean, for me, I think in real life, it would probably be B if I wasn't physically frightened of the person. But if my husband was physically threatening me, then I would be on the phone to the police. But how is he physically threatening her? I didn't... He wouldn't let her get to the front door. He was just desperately trying to come up with excuses, wasn't he? No, he was physically restraining her. I I, I miss that. Yeah, I must admit, I I did too. Thinking about um, Kirsty doing the books, I don't remember that at all. Do we remember her actually saying, uh, give your books to me? I I know there was the issue around the laptop, but I don't remember that. No, I don't either. And that, that came as a surprise. Like Dominic, I thought, yes, you're now actually vulnerable to any prosecution. Plus the fact, well, you must have known what was going on. You did the books and you still married him, this, this dreadful modern-day slaver. So, um, Kirsty, what have you got to say to that? So that's going to be a problem for She her. needs a really good lawyer, ASAP. Anna, bring, bring her back. Anna. I love, yeah, I loved her. She was great. We, we do, we do. And actually, they're on the Twitters as well. 
messaging every now and then is uh, oh is she uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. She, she, she's I, I, I liked her i thought she was a very good actor i thought she brought a lot a lot to the archers moving back to um to things in ambridge last week this is still more of a long tale of this isn't there Obviously, this has now come out. Kirsty has said what she said. Roy knows he's been collared by the old Bill. So what do you reckon these 70th anniversary episodes going to be all about? All about? I'm guessing that it's some level of resol- not a neat bow put around the whole storyline, but it's going to be some level of resolution and happiness because there has to be because the 70th episode and i'm wondering if that wasn't the reason for eddie to say to clary let's renew our vows are they going to renew their vows on the 70th episode but then there will be some level of denouement with this slavery storyline some level it cannot be all over by january the first discuss well i think i mean clary and eddie's i mean that was very poignant hearing Eddie declaring his his love for Clarice down on one knee and it was super sweet. I'm not sure Eddie's going to be able to organise a renewal service in a week's time. I've got a feeling that they're going to try and get Peggy Woolley and Jill Archer around some kind of socially distanced log fire because they were both mentioned during the An Ambridge at Christmas evening. So I'm expecting something heartwarming to do with sort of some of the older characters and I can't quite work out whether Philip is going to pin all the blame on Gav when he's being interviewed by, you know, the police or whether he's going to fess up to it all. I just can't see him admitting to all of his sins to the police. It doesn't really ring true in terms of his character. Yes, there's quite a lot of chat about that, wasn't there, that he's, uh, we haven't heard the last of this. He went too easily, didn't he, Um, into the police car. He's already indicated, hasn't he, that he's started to blame Gav already for, for not feeding the horses, as he said. Who knows whether he's going to start using this, this, this book excuse to, to throw the book at Krusty as well. The actor hasn't got a part in Coronation Street as well. That, that might speed things up, mightn't it? I think that's Gav- Gavin. 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 Oh, is it Gavin? Yeah. I, th- Gavin. I thought Philippa. Ah, right. Well, that might speed up the, the justice process for Gavin anyway. When is the actual 70th episode? Is it the first itself? Yeah, it should be January oh, the 1st. Wonderful. Mm. Um, I, I, I think you're right, Rosie. Peggy has to play, uh, you know, a significant part in that episode because yes. she's the only actor who's been in it for all of the seventy years. Though she wasn't Peggy Archer then; so she played another character. I think she only became Peggy Archer about three or four years in. You know, but anyway. But she she's the only actor who's been with it all the way through its duration. I think, sorry, I think, I think friendship is um, surprising or fresh friendships could well start to nurture as be nurtured as well. I think we're going to see an unusual friendship develop between David and Vince. Uh, that went much better than we expected. Um, so I think that's going to be inter- interesting. Quentin, is that relationship more unusual than Elizabeth and Vince? That feels like fish walking with fowl. From from my from my perspective, Vince and Lizzie. Yeah, that's that's you know David <laughs> and and Vince makes much more sense because yeah. at least they have business dealings. But Elizabeth <laughs> and Vince, on the face of it, is still more peculiar. It's the old opposites, isn't it? Argument. I think that was actually mentioned. But um, I, I did enjoy the <laughs> surprise from David at how much he enjoyed Vince's company, and I thought that was nicely played actually between the two of them. I thought that was very good. 
particularly enjoyed that little moment when Vince said, right, no, no, no shop talk. <laughs> you could sense the slight flash of panic in David thinking, well, what, the, what the hell are we going to talk about now? But actually, um, I thought it was nicely handled. And I, I, I really warmed to Vince during that, especially what he was saying about um, how much we owe our mothers and that sort of thing. I thought it was, that, was, that was nice. And him keeping in touch with her stepsons and so forth. Uh, I kept thinking, is he just saying this to make a good impression? I thought it was, I thought it was very authentic. And, I mean, and, you know, and, and you aren't giving him his right name. It's Mince. Not Vince. Mince, of course, yeah. Mince. Mince Casey. Yeah. What I loved about it was just the kind of the, again, this kind of unravelling of David's, you know, perceptions of Mince. Because, you know, the Rolls Royce that he bought for his dad, but his dad never actually drove the Rolls. How caring Mince is towards his stepson. And the fact that he's taken an interest in Fweddy and Lily. And what I can't wait for is the Mince Truss meetup. Because it was hilarious when our Tracy met Truss over Sunday lunch and roasted him. And I can't see Mince Casey being able to take Truss particularly seriously. And he does seem to have Lizzie's interests at heart. And effectively, Truss is the biggest scrounger. He still owes Lizzie five grand from the bailiffs from way back then. He's living in Lower Loxley rent-free, using his 19-temperature kettle, using up all their electricity on that, and then wasting his time in the kind of the art zone or whatever he's calling it. So I just can't wait for sort of like a New Year's festive celebration with Truss and Mince getting together. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, that, that 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 that's going to be fun, isn't it? I'm, I'm missing Russ because uh, I, I can't stand him, and that's why I'm missing him. But back on the uh, un, not unlikely friendships, but new friendships, the truce between Tracy and Jazza was was lovely as well, and that has definitely opened the floodgates for for Trazza. We all want Trazza to happen. <laughs> it would be a a, lo- a lovely hookup. And JC, I think, um, this- think JC is better than Trazza. No, no, no. You see, this, I was going to say there's a truce between Tracy and Jazza now, but I'm afraid what's happened is that it has, uh, there's no truce on this issue between <laughs> two other Dumpty Dummers. I'm talking Peter Fickley and Kerry Warpus. I'm, I'm with Kerry on this. It's Trazza. Peter is a JC man. He wants JC as the mashup name. And uh, this has caused problems on t- Twitter. If I can just read out um, the, the depth of their friendship on this. So the Peter says it's got, you mean. It's, got to, it's got to be JC. Yeah. He says it's JC. Kerry replies, Peter is a one-man band on this score. Bless. Relentlessly banging that sorry little drum and clashing his besimbled knees together in the hope that he'll achieve fame and success. And yet his cap on the pavement remains empty. In reply, Peter Fickling says, Christ, here comes Twitter's fog on. Blop. Another brash, loud opinion from a brash, loud lady. It's very tiring. And Kerry replies, prepare for many hours, days, weeks, months and years of tiredness, my lovely. So there you go. They're getting on fine about this on the Trazer Jazzy argument. So watch this space. But you when never ne- know. When they're that- next on, it's going to be fun. <laughs> but you know, you well, never I, know. Where do you stand? Oh, Trazer or Jazz or, or JC? Uh, me? 
Well, yeah, be... I'm somewhat agnostic on the whole thing, right? But I was kind of thinking after that Monday episode with uh, Oliver finding Tracy at the bar at Grey Gables looking a little bit forlorn because Roman's gone, that maybe we're going to have a, mm. was it a May, mm. to, May to December or whatever the heck the expression is, you know, the slightly older silver fox type of gentleman uh, having a relationship with a slightly younger, newer model of a lady type person type. I think that would be lovely. I think they get on so well. And I really love those scenes between the two of them. And they, um, Oliver's such a genuine gentleman, isn't he? And um, mm. um, I... I, I he says you're a very valued, you know, very dear friend now. And if it did go one step further, it would be completely believable. And I, I've really enjoyed that, though those scenes. It was sweet that you know that he gave, he made sure she had the lunch that she wanted. And he's so charming with her, genuinely. Um, mm. And actually, I watched and over the, the, the Quentin. I think you know one of your future careers should be an audio narrator with Mills and Boons because the way that you <laughs> the narrative arc. <laughs> almost had me in tears. <laughs> um, but Rosie, Rosie, he, here's a question, because mm-hmm. I think you're the, the youngest of the trio here. Have you ever been yeah. tempted by a, an older silver fox? In real life? Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. Really? Pray tell. Yes. Um, a suave older gentleman did mm. indeed sweep me off my feet at a black tie event. Ooh. On Park Lane many years ago, and we had a few candlelit suppers, a few cocktails in Mayfair, and then we waved our, our goodbyes to one another, genteelly. In the morning? Did After you... several dates. Oh, okay. <laughs> Revealed. <laughs> okay. You know the silver fox who I pictured you with? Quentin. Quentin. <laughs> Oh, Rosie, our secret's out. But <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, whilst you've, the pair of you have been outed as lovers from, from way back, why don't we go and listen to what the caller inners have thought about last week's going on in Ambridge. Hello, Ambridge 3962. First off, we have our resident sports therapist, it's Witherspoon. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings and happy holidays to everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. What a memorable Christmas Eve episode it was. I was so impressed with Kirsty, so firm and strong, in taking care of Philip in 13 short minutes of airtime. We had all speculated who would uncover his crimes. Would it be Joy or Harrison or Roy? No, it was Kirsty herself, my new favorite character. She's grown so much since her memorable scream of agony at the altar. Since then, she supported her friend Helen and confronted Helen's abuser on the stand. And now she's held her ground against the pleas of her new husband, whom she was able to recognize as a modern slaver. A weaker person might have felt sympathy for him and caved in. It also wasn't her fault that Philip had been such a good liar until he let slip the term horses. I also loved how Kirsty expressed empathy for Blake, Jordan, and Kenzie, and confronted Philip on both the criminality and immorality of his actions. 
and a tip of the cap to Roy for being in the right place at the right time. As for Philip himself, we saw how he rationalized his behavior as reasonable and circumstantial, but deep down he knew it was wrong. And finally, the great moment when we realized that the man who loved Christmas would be spending it in jail. The holiday will never be the same for Philip again. Kirsty is going to need a lot of support going forward, and people will be talking. I think they'll be empathetic, all except Susan, that is. But at least we can all breathe a little easier. Talk to you soon. Well, I think Witherspoon has sort of covered the gamut of emotions really associated with the denouement. And definitely props to Roy for being there at the right time and standing firm and not letting Kirsty be on her own with Philip because he was being very frightening towards her. And when I was listening to it, I had my kind of virtual pepper spray ready to go because I was actually quite frightened for her. So I think that it was fantastic that Roy was there. And again, you know, Witherspoon is articulating how you know, well, Kirsty was able to understand what was happening and show empathy for Blake, Kenzie and Jordan, but also that she recognised the criminality involved with it as well. And I think what's going to be very difficult for Ambridge is reconciling the fact that, you know, the majority of people in the village, including at the very beginning, Shula, Saint Shula was the first person to hire Philip and the young lads to fix the stable roof. I believe, because something went, there was some sort of storm or something to do with the hunt. But she brought Philip into the village to sort of do those fixes. And so she was the first person to kind of open her arms to him. And from there forth, people in that village have been giving him money and they've been effectively using slave labor. So I think it's going to be a pretty brutal new year for the residents of Ambridge when they realize exactly what's been going on. The theme we keep we keep returning to on this is, is the presence of Roy in all this, that um, there he was, Roy to the rescue, her good old solid friend was there to protect her and call the police and check up on her. I keep thinking, you know, one day those two are going to get together properly, aren't they? I mean, he might not be the most interesting um, exciting person, but he's he's Mr. Solid, he's Mr. Dependable, he's Mr. Loyal, and I think deep down he loves Kirsty. I will sense that there's something there. As I said to you before, new friendships, new relationships developing, who knows, maybe she'll get somebody solid who's and some happiness. She won't have the most exciting life, but she'll have somebody who genuinely loves her and she can depend on and won't do the dirty on her. So maybe that's what is being teed up. I, be nice, I think. Interesting that Witherspoon says that Kirsty has now become his new favourite character was because I think I think we felt we've lost Kirsty over the past couple of years, and uh, it was good to hear her getting back to her old ways. I think what's, the, the, what's interesting there, sorry, Quentin, is yeah, that sure. that sense of losing Kirsty was because he was controlling her, brainwashed her into thinking that, you know, she had a perfect life. And I think one of the scales falling from her eyes was the whole, you know, job with the Wildlife Trust, where he'd said to her, oh, well, take a pay cut. I can manage the money. And I think, you know, and, and I know there's been some, Kirsty has lost her session in this estate um, by, you know, giving up paid work, by effectively being at home to kind of, you know, dig potatoes up and make Philip's lamb dinner. She just doesn't have, didn't have any of her campaigning zeal. No, she other lost than her doing a litter pig. I, I know, but what, I, what didn't ring true is that she, she identified all this with Rob, and yet, if 
to go along with what you're saying, she didn't recognise the same, some of the same signs with her relationship with with Philip. And she went from somebody with very sharp antennae to somebody who seemed to lose all sense of right and wrong or or being hoodwinked. That's that's what we lost. And it happened too quickly, in my opinion, um, that she didn't sense he was a bit of a wrong and it was all too good to be true sooner. But and maybe it's because she was, after Tom, she was desperate for somebody or something, some relationship, and she just well, fell for it. she had miscarriage, mm. hadn't she, Quentin? Yes. So she yeah. lost her baby. I think she felt very, and actually going through the trauma of walking in on your best friend, you know, covered in blood and custard and tuna bake, that's hugely traumatic, I imagine. So I think in, in Kirsty's sort of defence, I suppose, you know, she was incredibly vulnerable, thought that, you know, she was going to have a child and that, and that didn't happen. So she was all alone. And this man comes along with Shula's endorsement. So I effectively am going to blame St. Shula for this. <laughs> Poor so Shula. it's St. Shula's fault that this modern slavery storyline has happened because she fancied Philip and she recommended him for that job. And it's all her fault. Oh, what give the think? woman a break. I think that's, that's a little unfair on Shula. I know how much you do like her. Not. Um, <laughs> what about the playground? Of course, he, he uh, did the playground, didn't he? For for he nothing, did. didn't he? To ingratiate himself. So, did they? Do they dig that up and disgust? Yeah, you're right. They're knock-on effects for the village, aren't they? Isn't there? Because his imprimatur is all over the place. His Philip and and his modern-day slaves. We haven't heard the end of Philip. I don't think. Unfortunately, I think this is going to drag on a bit because he he, he will start blaming others, um, especially when he finds out that Gavin as good as gave Kirsty the nod to start asking some questions and open her eyes and all that. It's going to turn nasty, I think, despite all these lovely new friendships that I predict are going to happen and, and, and relationships. It'll be soured by the, the nasty Philip. Mm. It just interestingly, though, you said that Roy was wonderful because he was solid and dependable and actually dull and boring, but that was mm. good. These are all the reasons why you dislike David Archer, just saying. Me? Yes, you in particular. Well, interesting. I, I was thinking about this. I don't think I've ever said I've disliked David. In fact, I was, before we came on out, I was, I was thinking about, what do I really think about David Archer? I was thinking of the context of him and Vince. And I don't dislike David. I know some people viscerally dislike him. I think he's all right, David. I mean, God, he's dull. Yes, of course he is. And um, Freddie was worried about the, the, the dull way in that he, he he read his poem. But I, I quite like David. He's, he's what he is. He does the right thing on the whole. And he had a good laugh at, it, at, at his own expense with being, Vince Bing's new BFF and all that. And that was a nice scene with him and Ruth, I thought. I don't viscerally dislike David. I don't. Um, I, I, I think he's all right. I do find him extremely dull at times and boring and a killjoy and all that. But, I mean, that's in a way <laughs> why I quite warm to him, because at least you know what you're going to get from him. Those are my genuine feelings about David. So, I mean, Roy, Roy's a, a slight chip off the block, but I think, I, again, I like Roy. I, I think Roy's a nice chap, isn't he? He's always there. But what about Lexi? Because Lexi Roy, for Roy, yes. Yeah, because I, if you, she should come back, because you know the you know the well in terms of the denouement, in terms of you know the seventieth anniversary, oh. you know Alice's baby, the alcoholism that hasn't gone away, and that family is going to be ripped apart when it all becomes apparent. 
that there is a significant problem with Alice and how is Adam going to cope and will Debbie have to come back? There's a whole kind of stream around that that has kind of been paused. Isn't it extraordinary that pause? I know one's almost forgotten the uh, the Alice storyline and all the drama in that because of what's happened this week. But you're right, we've all got that uh, storing up in the background, haven't we? Good point. Do I care what Adam thinks? <laughs> I'm sensing no. <laughs> God, God, I'm missing him. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> He will re-emerge, won't he, eventually? <laughs> because I think Roy and Lexi truly were in love. That came across. Yes. And I honestly think that Lexi needs to come back. And also, she was a re- but she was really good friends with Kirsty as well. So, in, in, I, I mean, I really don't think we need to join Kirsty and Roy together in order for Kirsty to have support. I mean, if Lexi, you know, hears about what's going on, then I think she'd be straight back across. You know, once COVID restrictions have been relaxed and the vaccine's there, I think we'll get Lexi back. But do you think Roy's now going to become all very protective towards Kirsty and they're going to fall in love? No. All right. Okay. They're not going to fall in love because Kirsty, Kirsty needs a break from disastrous relationships and she needs to, um, you know, hopefully not end up as Helen's au pair when Helen buys Beechwood at a police auction for 50p and, <laughs> and homeless Kirsty <laughs> ends up being Cinderella. Um, I'm hoping that doesn't happen and that Kirsty can spend some time and well, well, hopefully she's not going to be um, put in prison <laughs> because of misleading the inland revenue. I I think we kind of need Cosmo to understand what the implications are because Kirsty may have, you know... Or or Glenn Fuller Love, he's he's a tax expert. Oh, he's a tax expert. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Up up before the House of Lords last week, wasn't he? He was. We also need some family law expert as well because can she annul the marriage? I know you had this debate with Philippa the other week. Yeah, well, that's Miss Mid-City. Uh, which reminds me, actually, uh, nicely queued up there, Quentin, even though I know it was not deliberate on your part. Folks, I've just got to say big ups to everybody who's been uh, creating their profiles on dumdydum.com because Tractor is up and running and is a kicking. I can tell you, if you're in the Derby area, post-COVID, uh, you could actually uh, go, well, you don't have to wait till the COVIDs are over. You can go and message Mid Miss City via uh, the website and just say hello I maybe live uh, like five miles down the road uh, when the government says we can uh, go back to normal whenever that might be uh, maybe we can meet up have a coffee and uh, talk about the archers but you don't have to just do that with Miss Mid City over there in uh, in Derby you can do it with about a thousand dumpty dummers who are scattered oh, wow. all throughout the globe like so if you go on dumptydum.com Look on the menu there. Uh, the tractor link is there. There are a pins aplenty. And one of the lovely things is we can see where all the clusters are. So post-COVID, post the coronas, Rosie Porty is a shed load of dum um in and around Edinburgh, Musselburgh. Uh, Ooh, exciting. Uh, even in Sydney, Australia, there's about five. Uh, so you've got no excuses, folks. Um, Tractor is there. It's a great way for you to commune with your fellow Dumpty Dummers and Archers fans. It, what you do is you uh, sign up, create a profile. There's a big link. It says register uh, top right on the menu. Hit that. Then you create a profile. 
you put your address and uh, the best way to do this, we don't need your house number very obviously, it's not a stalker's charter, but what you need to do is if you're in a big city, put the area, so if it was me, I'll go like Perry Bar, comma, Birmingham, comma, England. And then it puts the pin in Perry Bar and then you'll know if there's any other dum dummers in the city of Birmingham, close by, etc, etc. It's uh, Jesse has been working furiously all over Christmas to get it up and boy oh boy doesn't it half look uh, spectacular. We even have a dum dummer in Alaska, Azerbaijan, uh, you know it's wonderful places like that. Quentin Rayner, mm. see that you haven't pinned yourself. Uh, <laughs> I haven't really looked into it, but you sold it to me so well. I've just realised that Mid Miss City is a fellow East Midlander, because mm. I'm in Nottinghamshire, she's in Derby. And did you say, so she's a family lawyer, is she, Mid Miss she City? Is. She is. So she, I, we need to hear from her next week as a caller in to tell us on what grounds could Kirsty annul this marriage to Phil, uh, having only been married for about a week. So that would be very interesting to hear from her. So I put this call and challenge out to you mid miss city to put us right on this legal point be very interesting that's a good shout talking about good shouts now this isn't all 110 percent sorted folks but it's going to go something like this ian pepper who plays at roy tucker has given us um, a signed 70th anniversary archers script to auction to raffle away for a charity. So um, you're going to get um, a, a very small little missive from me in the next two or three days when we completely work, when I completely work all this out, exactly how we're going to do this. But you'll be able to win um, the uh, 70th uh, Archer's anniversary script signed by Roy Tucker. And what we're going to do is we're going to go on to Just Giving and we're going to donate the proceeds to an anti-slavery charity. But all the details will come to you in, in a day or two. Hopefully, uh, we can raise um, a goodly little sum of money so that um, the evil Philip Mosses of the world really do get the comeuppance and that people who have been trafficked and have been, dare I say, got the wrong end of, of the stick in terms of what life has to offer and have found themselves being exploited and abused can get a little bit of support. So bear with us, bear with me. The next couple of days I'm going to put together a nice little trailer. I'm going to put it up on the feed when I have everything all sorted and let's try and raise some money because we have to be said that one of the great things that the BBC have done is to highlight how prevalent this evil practice actually is uh, and as I've said a couple of times on the podcast I wasn't aware at, at the start of uh, this storyline how prevalent it actually is so if we can give any bit of help and succor to people specifically at this time of the year who are suffering at the hands of that evil trade let's do that via uh, the charity so it's really great that ian has given us a script for us to auction eight way now it's occasional tony who's decided to call in hello it's uh, occasional tony phoning in just occasionally um, having heard the archers since the beginning i've always seen it as a steady stream of consciousness a sort of parallel make-believe family because I was young when I started, my sense of disbelief was always suspended. In the last couple of decades, that suspension has declined and finally died. I have been most careful not to share my archers with anyone and tried never to see pictures of the actors, 
In my world, the archers are real. Now, since hearing D2D, I know it is all scripted and plotted and planned and polished and there are actors. The archers may be a soap or a docudrama, but it still holds my attentions, albeit only now once a week instead of twice a day. I feel those scriptwriters, to which you refer so often, need to understand the difference between drama and tragedy. The Alice alcohol pregnancy storyline is definitely into the latter. There is no real hope of a solution. It would take a lot more than a touch of Ambridge magic or the job fairy to put it all right. Tragedy can be the subject of a two or three hour play like Romeo and Juliet or Othello, but not a 12 minute slot squeezed between the news and some arts review programme. No, that's my downer. Anyway, I just hope the archers carry on. The next 70 years, I'm sure, will be better than this 70 years, and I hope it will be as good as it when it first started. Well, great to hear from occasional Tony there. Um, with an up and a down in that, really, wasn't it? His, his up was that he thinks the next 70 years will be even better than the previous, which is quite a challenge when you consider how good it's been up to now. Interesting distinction he makes between drama and tragedy. And I'd never actually made that distinction. I mean, the Alice storyline I, I see is really powerful drama. I've always seen it like that. He seems to be making the distinction, didn't he, that tragedy needs longer to be explained and dramatised rather than cramming it into a 12 or 13-minute slot. I don't entirely agree with him on that. I, I think I, I take his point that it's, it's su such a huge subject and broad-ranging and is going to take a long time to resolve, not in a, in a neat docudrama. I, I think it has provided very powerful drama. I think they need to pace it very carefully. I think we all get very irritated, don't we, when difficult uh, uh, moments in life in the arches are, are dusted up very quickly, like uh, Liz's depression and so forth. It's all sort of sorted after about two or three counselling sessions. And I think it's very important if they really do want to shed light on, on alcoholism and so forth, that they pace it enough and make it plausible, whatever solution they, they come up with. Um, but I grant you that equally they can't eke it out for so long that people are just tearing their hair out a bit like the modern day slavery and saying, for goodness sake, make it end, you know, like Brexit. So they, they have got themselves into a difficult, dramatic position with, with Alice. It'd be interesting to see how they resolve it. If this is the 70th anniversary we're building up to, three-act tragedies or indeed um, Greek tragedy where the sins of the mother or father are passed on through generation to generation and eventually retribution has to be had. Peggy's husband was an alcoholic and her daughter has married a heavy drinker and Alice has been a heavy drinker for many, many years. And I think Peggy, when she had that chat with Alice about Bath and was being very Poirot or Miss Marple about it all, you know, she very quickly cottoned on to the fact that Alice had not been on a mini break. And in terms of how all of these things knit back together, you can have tragedies that go through generations and eventually some dark consequences happen just thinking back to my a-level classics and some quite gruesome events that happened 
um, in ancient Greece and ancient Rome. So I do think that in a long running docudrama um, or radio soap opera, there is the ability to weave in these long term narrative impacts of damaging behavior. So I think for me, there is those linkages back to the past, to history, to learned behavior that we're now kind of seeing come to fruition in a really horrible way with Alice. And I can't see a good outcome for Alice and Chris on New Year's Day. No, no. Um, I can't see a good outcome compressed, can you, for, for dramatic convenience? I think that um, you, you've kind of nailed it in, Rosie, in terms of uh, what the archers can do is um, spread out, give the alcohol storyline a real long tail and make it just live out in, in real time. Just like we've been aware for the last three years that Alice has a drinking problem. We didn't realise it was so acute, but we did realise that. That played out in real time. Let's say that this child is born, and I'm like, I don't know whether they're going to make it or not. So I'm going to put that to one side. But a child, we believe, right here and now, a child is, is going to be born. There's going to be a casual storyline, let's say, in 18 months uh, post that child has been born. They're at the playground and Alice's child is not doing something which maybe another child who's round about the same age is. And without explicitly mentioning anything, we think, oh, are they being educationally or learning? Are there, are there some kind of learning difficulties, etc.? There's going to be lots of instances like that which it can play out. And that's irregardless of whether Alice then says that she's stone cold sober and she's been able to deal with alcohol. Obviously, we know it's a constant battle, but let's just say she, she's dealt with her issue of not physically drinking day in day out so it can actually play out and, and in lots of ways the archers is the perfect forum for a storyline like that because that child will will grow up and we can see their development uh delayed or not then then play out and it doesn't have to be the east end dum 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 when we hear that this child has maybe fallen behind at school or or not or, or whatever how long do you think they can play it out without people just going, for goodness sake, I can't take any more of this? But but this is the thing, they don't have to explicitly couch it in terms of, well, of course, his child has uh, alcoholic fetal syndrome. They don't have to. We will know. We will know. The theme music afterwards, when it's a case of this child is, let's say, 15 months old and is not walking. So, so I'll put that, put that but, to but one the way, side. The way around it is that the child, thankfully... Is, is unaffected. You know, there might be a way of shortcutting it, mightn't it? Mm. The, the other thing, and it isn't, isn't quite what Tony was saying, as, as I believe, but it goes back to the point which I made very briefly kind of at the start of the show. I quite enjoyed the episode where Kirsty, within 12 minutes and of which out of that 12 minutes half of it was devoted to the Grundys basically said to Phil what's going on she discovers what's going on and says I'm calling the police but I do believe that considering we've had all this time all this builds up and will she find out how will she find out will it be joy that realizes what's going on uh, will Harrison Burns swing to the rescue that we could have had a really good couple of episodes whereby it was all them with her just saying 
I don't believe this, Philip. I can't believe this. With her crying, showing some emotional vulnerability, because she has just got married. Mm. She has just got married. And what Leslie wrote on Facebook really made me think. We all believe that when it came out, Kirsty will do the right thing. But for us to have maybe two episodes and then to have a little bit of a cliffhanger where we think with Philip apparently uh, winning her round with, it, with, his, with his lies and her going, oh, Philip, I just don't know. And then da 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 And then it continued the next one. And then, it, then that being the Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve episode where they're going, no, it's call the police. And what the scriptwriters have proven to us over and over is not only can they set up great scenarios, but when needs be, they can really pack a punch with having a really compressed episode where two people are talking. We didn't get that on Christmas Eve. What we had was an event on Christmas Eve because it was Christmas Eve. But we didn't have a powerful seesaw of viewpoints of which we all know ultimately the man's a slaver he has to go down but as leslie greaves said they've just got married that's going to throw everyone a little bit of a wobble and a curveball considering you're not expecting your new partner to say oh yeah i'm i'm a modern day slaver so were, so, you, convi- were you convinced by Kirsty's reaction do you think she was too impulsive on first listen i was actually quite satisfied with the episode on second listen I went, no, it's too neat. And it wasn't even all them for the 12 minutes. I just believe there, no. was, there was much more that we could have gone into. As somebody who's gone through the end of a marriage, it wasn't a case of um, my partner walking in, my, my, my ex-partner walking in and everything being resolved in six minutes. I said, okay, it's all over. When you decide that it's over, that still is not a six-minute, 12-minute conversation, and she's just married. So as far as we're concerned, the listeners, she hasn't had a a long unravelling of the relationship, a la Helen and Rob, where, you know, they weren't getting on for months. They literally, at the summit, they've just got married. You're not just going to switch off and just go, I'm walking out the door within 12 minutes. Impossible. I don't care if you're Kirsty or not. You're still going to go, but how could you do this, Phil? Please explain this to me. And then he's going to come out with some bullshit and it'll make her wobble in the moment. That's just human. That's just being a human being. But he was physically threatening her. So what I don't think either of you have picked up on is that when he was speaking to her, like he was becoming, you know, he he wouldn't let her get to the door. You know, he was refusing to let her leave the house. So if, if you're being physically intimidated by your brand new elderly pensioner, slave-owning husband, <laughs> you're quite rightly going to call the <laughs> You see, there was this slight ambiguity in it because because you could be forgiven for thinking she was calling the police because she was disgusted by what she just realised, that she'd married a modern-day slaver and she wanted to dob him in or that she was actually frightened for her own safety. And that's why she wanted the police called. Now, that's interesting because I think she actually wanted the police for both reasons. Had a lot of righteous anger in her voice, but she was also frightened. And I'll mention again, walk in on the sort of partially, you know, dead body of her best friend's husband. So she's got immediate trauma that that would come back into her memory. So if she's being 
she was righteously angry with him. Yeah. But I don't think she sort of got Roy to phone the police to say, oh, and by the way, there's, there's a modern slavery issue. Um, I think she was frightened. And I okay. think the next step would be to say, and you need to find the, the boys because they're in either in a shallow grave in Telford or they're in a little motel somewhere. At what point, though, do you think she starts to think, blimey, what are the implications for me? I think it'll take her a while because she won't, I don't think she will be able to kind of put it into her own mind that she, basically her actions by doing the books and the rest of it directly implicate her. I think she will be quite naive about that. I don't think she will understand how the sort of prosecution process will look at her role. But now they're married. That's the thing. Yes. She should never have married him. We were all screaming that, weren't we? Of course. If only she looked at the tweet along, she would have avoided all this. She would. I'll tell you the one thing which I'm really warming up to in in the archers is the is is new freddy you know freddy finding his feet freddy becoming a fully formed grown up and very obviously the christmas show was uh, a vehicle for that wasn't it w- what do we think about uh, freddy and freddy and lily and them basically taking over the reins slowly but surely at lower loxley what do you reckon rosie p I think that Lily, for some reason, is holding back. And I'm not sure if he's holding back because she truly loves her brother and wants him to succeed in the Christmas show and for the folk who are kind of going to be in charge of releasing the estate to him are going to do that. Or whether she wants him to fall flat on his face, lose the estate, she takes over, and it's Truss and Lily in charge of Lower Loxley, and Elizabeth gets banished to a dower house. I, I can't call it at the minute because Lily has such bad judgment. She moved to Manchester with a middle aged art teacher who then whacked away five grand on some paints from Hobbycraft. She's not the kind of, you know. And a kettle. And a kettle. So she has bad judgment. So, but she's only young. I mean, I think the key thing for me is that they're only 21, the pair of them. And it seems completely balmy that one of them, either Fweddy or Lily, is going to be given the reins of Lower Loxley. And Elizabeth is just kind of like, la, 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 la. This is all fine. But it's his friendship with Linda is transforming him. And also, I think, Officer Banks from the prison, who we heard about during the rehearsals. I think he is becoming an improved young man. I think he does have strength of character. But I just think it's completely bonkers that you would have a 21-year-old being handed the reins of Lower Loxley. Maybe I just haven't spent enough time in stately homes, unlike my good friend Quentin, who I'm sure knows many a chatelain and can advise us <laughs> on these matters. Well, before I answer that, I was just going to move to another wing of my stately home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can we time out? Like it's going to take you to walk there, Quentin? <laughs> because the, the, the huge range fire has just gone out and my manservant <laughs> has disappeared. <laughs> F- Freddie used to drive me nuts. I couldn't bear him. I was like, oh, God, get off, get off. Um, and that has changed. I think you're right. I think the whole Linda dynamic has changed him. He's also a changed young man, having been in, in prison. I'd love it when he takes the piss out of Russ. I think those are some of the funniest scenes because he is he is ruthless and he says everything that I feel about Russ. So he has gone up hugely in my estimation as a result of that. It's interesting that he's a strength of character and Officer Banks was it, I think you mentioned. He applied one of his techniques to need to to get the cast going. And mm. Lily was genuinely impressed by that, that he was cracking the whip. 
and being very decisive and assertive. He is becoming a, a man in that sense. We're seeing him develop. And um, he is less irritating, more appealing. And I thought it was nice, that scene between him and Eddie, where he had to eat humble pie and beg Eddie to come onto the show, although it didn't take much persuasion, did it? He handled that nicely, and I thought that was nice, the way Eddie realised he was in a pickle and immediately helped him out. And I thought that was part of the feel-good Christmas week as well. There was a lot of that, there was a lot of cosy, life-affirming stuff going on. Mm last week wasn't there which was nice mm. and he, he's learning how to handle people better not rub them up so much and realize his limitations so i have almost i have done 180 degrees on on freddie i'm beginning to like him quite a lot actually mm. just moving on very slightly from freddie because I, I i agree with you quentin i've done i've done a 180 I, I found him incredibly annoying but i think that i've seen him unfurl his wings as as a properly fully fed adult now and it's been lovely uh to watch as much as you can do on on a radio drama well, that, I thought that was one of the lovely feel-good factors of the weekend. I was trying to think, when was the last term yes. heard from Clary? Good I mean, shout. months, isn't it? Could even be a year. I don't think we've heard from him meaningfully all year. You know, Jeez, I can't think. I she can't didn't think. have a she didn't we have heard, a monologue, did she? Did she have a monologue? No, but we we heard we heard from her just after William almost oh, yes. went postal with the gun. <clears throat> so right. that was that was in kind of February, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah. Almost a year. Yeah, almost a year. Almost a year. Well, I thought that was a, a neat trick to bring her back over Christmas because it suddenly felt like a Christmassy archers, isn't it, with Clary? Mm. Mm. It did. She's got it a lovely did. voice. Right, I tell you who else has got a lovely voice. It's our Sue Lee. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello lovely people, Fitzsui here, Queen of Tart on the Twitters for another social media roundup. A bit of administrative news to start off with. Get yourselves up on the track to map, I'm sure that Royfield will have mentioned it once or twice. Uh, so we can see where everybody is. We're up to 936 members at the time of recording, uh, with a lot of people joining over Christmas, which is lovely. It's been a super story this week lots of exciting things going on but also some optional extras so with great pleasure included eddie's reminiscencing of joe louise pointed out it doesn't appear in bbc sounds when you type in archers i've always found the search engine to be particularly useless like leslie Emma posted a link to all the special content on the beebs archers website so if you're not sure what's going on and when have a look there, have a look for her post or go onto the Archers site. Thanks to Witherspoon and Archers Academic Christmas Day podcast. It was lovely. Lots of people were thankful for it, including Pat, who also posted about the real nitty gritty this week, the evilness of Gavin and Philip. There are lots of us who think that Gavin is under the control of Philip, but he's still evil, let's face it. And he wanted 30k for that wedding out in Bali from the proceeds of slavery, as Catherine pointed out. And he's culpable for the gay Grable's explosion by locking Blake, Kenzie and Jordan with no food in for the weekend. Well, he'll have plenty of time to mull that over in prison, says Nick. Fiona says he's up to his neck in it. He could have walked away, but he was too busy enjoying his comfortable life and has now beat a hasty retreat. But Pat points out that every interaction between Philip and Gavin involved Philip berating his son, telling him how useless he was and making elaborate lies to our Kirsty. Witherspoon reckons Gavin is going to jail, but he has a chance of rehabilitation and doing good works after jail, but definitely not Philip. And Richard gave us a great new simile to refer back to Gavin that he's not the first puppy out of the basket. <laughs> Long discussions about whether we are being manipulated to sympathise with the two of them and a real hope that Victoria is an undercover cop. Oh, that would be so lovely. Josh says we're uneasy because we know we'd have been taken in like Kirsty. Our Kirsty. How are the residents of Ambridge going to react? Will they feel complicit, our Charlotte? Will they realise that accepting a rock-bottom quote was feeding Philip's way of doing business? This will make people question, both residents and listeners, our choices. The scriptwriters do some of this stuff really well. I worry personally for Joy and Kirsty. I hope both of them 
Philip and Gavin, that is, are going down for a long time because of what's been done to our Kirsty. Sandra did say, she admitted, that she was in Marks and Spencer's and said, poor Krusty, out loud, but it doesn't seem to have got back. She seems to have gotten away with it. Lillian, bless her heart, shared her choir's rendition of Oh Holy Night, which is up on YouTube. A real calming treat with home videos of people having a lovely time. It reminded me of how Christmas was just last year. Four minutes of joy. If you haven't listened to it, give it a whirl. Marion pointed us to a BBC report on a creepy drive through grotto. Sounds very much like a cross of Lower Loxley's Halloween with the Grundy's World of Christmas. People do do this stuff every year and they carry on getting away with it. And I'm going to round up dire predictions of a possible demise for Oliver, but with the hope that he could leave Grange Farm to the Grundies and Greg Abels to Tracy and Cathy could reappear. Cathy, you're on mute, love. Just bottom right. Press the button on the bottom right. And thanks finally to Glyn for an excellent set of pig and sheep photos. And as he says, stay safe and stay dum-de-dumming. Bless you all and a happy new year. Thank you for that, Sue, and I hope you had a Merry Christmas, my dear. Uh, Quentin, yes. you big boots to fill this week because, uh, you know, Pete Fickle has been knocking it out at the park regarding, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, tweets of the week. Yeah, that, that I'm somewhat exaggerating. I think uh, the last tweets of the week were somewhat of a debacle. But anyway, so uh, the bar is very low. You can easily vault over this. Prove me right, Prove me right, sir. Yes, I shall try and uh, fill Fickling's feet, shall we say. Um, but I have picked <laughs> out three tweets. Fortunately, despite us having very few caller owners this week, the tweet along was relatively busy. They obviously had quite a lot to get their teeth into. So I, I have picked out three, and I know we always do it reverse order. Bronze place this for Tweet of the Week. Mm-hmm. I have awarded it to Gay Grey Bell, and uh, they are at Grey Gay Bell 21. And they write, we've had slashes and curly poos in recent weeks in the Archers. Who says we're not down with a contemporary lingo? And, of course, she's referring to Vince's going off for a slash and the curly poo emoji that Tracy mentioned, I think. So slashes and curly poos on the Archers. Who'd have thought? eh? (laughs) You wouldn't have heard that 70 years ago, would you, occasional Tony? In silver position, and um, she's one of my favourite tweeters, is Miranda, otherwise known as at... Apple Android app, and we were just been talking about Clary, and she says, 40 years for Clary? Did she deserve this length of sentence? Which <laughs> a lot of people will have sympathy for. That only leads to the final podium position, which is, of course, the gold position. I presume we're going to have a, a nice instrumental bed underneath this at some stage. Sorry, Roy, will, will we have the instrumental bed, Royfield? Can you cut that in or not? It, it, it's there now. So it's right now. It's in the edit, Quentin. It's I can't hear it. Right. Okay. Right. I'll I'll do that. I'll do the goal thing again. Sorry. Okay. Oh no no no. I think that just go for. I think it's quite funny. You actually saying Royfield is there the bed when there is actually the bed of music. <laughs> All right. So um, that that only leaves obviously this final position, the the gold position, the gold standard of tweeting this week, goes to sweary caps locky archers listener, known on the twitters as uh, at archers. Caps lock, and they sum up, I think, the sentiments of the week, and it is this. Oh, Kirsty, 
Thank God she's back. And I completely concur. Yay! She's back. <laughs> she's back. <laughs> Behind bars, but she's back. <laughs> HMP Borchester. Yes. 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 Uh, folks, uh, dumdydum.com. Go there. And uh, if you do nothing else, go there and sign up. Become, become a member of said um, self website and then you'll be able uh, via through uh, the website to message other dumdy dummers and uh, kind of talk to them and it's, it's an awesome thing to do and the whole point of tractor of course is to foster real kind of relationships I, I know it's a little bit difficult now depending on what tier you're in because the whole coronas thing and whatever but it's just there waiting it's sizzling it's going to bring itself to the boil as soon as the coronas are all over you'll be able then to uh have your meetups locally and as i said uh, in in the meat and potatoes bit of the show uh, one of the great things is you can go on and you can look and see where there are clusters of dumpty dummers and you can uh, you can then go message them one by one so those people in sydney australia Get it all sorted. Those people up in Edinburgh or you know New York, etc., etc. You know what you can do through dumdydum.com. And also big ups to people who have been purchasing things for their loved ones and maybe just for themselves over Crimbo. Uh, so you've been going on to the shop uh, or the store, a bit of dumdydum.com. But um, thank you uh, for given us your shekel because it doesn't half help get things uh, sorted around here especially as we've had to employ uh, jesse bigley as donald trump would say to get tractor up which brings me on to say that uh, of course you can support the show by going on to patreon.com and by giving us uh, two dollars per show uh, you help to support the whole enterprise here quentin didn't just work at the BBC for 40 odd years. How long were you at the Beeb there, Quentin? It was almost 36 years, yeah. 36 years, 36 yeah. years. Right. And you know what, folks? It's not cheap. It's not cheap. He did his apprenticeship at the BBC, and here he is at Dumdy Dum, really getting his teeth into things. So, um, you know, we've we, we got to pay him his due. And as well as well as uh, Jesse doing all the various bits and pieces. So, but but jokes aside, if you like what we do, if you like the output, and if you really appreciate it, and it brings you some level of joy and comfort, our ruminations on the archers. And if you do have some spare pennies, go on to patreon.com and give us $2 per show. Now, Friday of this week on January the 1st, uh, there'll be a short little show where all the details of the charity and how we're going to support them will be given to you. So please dig deep because we've all been shocked and, and somewhat moved by this storyline. And this is a way for us to, to kind of help rebalance the scales for people who have find themselves um, in modern day slavery. There's lots of great charities within the UK who are trying to combat it, not only worldwide, but also here at home. Remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203-031-3105 to leave a message. Obviously, Twitter is um, where, I would say, it's, it's basically it's where you heard about Dum Dum, wasn't it, Quentin, via Twitter? It was. It was. Um, 
God, that's a that's a long time ago, isn't it? Mm. Uh, yes, pe- people were obviously piling onto the tweet along on a Sunday and through the week, but obviously the main ones the Sunday. And uh, I kept seeing this dumpty dum keep popping up. I think, well, what's that? So I had a little fertile, and I alighted upon the hallowed fields that are that <laughs> is dumpty dum, and here I am speaking nonsense to you. There you go. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, so I can't... Anything but nonsense, Quentin. Anything but nonsense. <laughs> but, but the whole point of that, folks, is just to say, that, and just to remind you, that we have a presence on Twitter. Now, I did say last week, we need some help on the uh, Dum De Dum Twitter account. We have actually had a couple of people say that they'd like to help out. I want to get a, li- a little gang, a little quorum, because then it means that nobody feels uh, the sole responsibility. So if you would like to help us out, if you'd like to uh, log on and be tweeting as Dum De Dum, you know, when the shows, when the Archer shows go out or maybe uh, during the, the tweet along on a Sunday, email me royfield at gmail.com. Nice and easy email address. Or you can go on to Tractor. You can find me on there and just message me through that. And uh, we'll get you all set up after the second week of January. Let's get Christmas out of the way and whatever. And then let's get three or four of you all together tweeting as dum dum and of course on twitter you can find us you can find dum dum where we're at dum dum uh auntie Kerry. oh gosh, stop, stop, stop calling it auntie Kerry. she's not on this one no i know i know i know i know listen no 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 that was deliberate that was deliberate though um you can find kind of semi-permanent host kerry uh warbis where she's at kerry warbis which is k-e-r-i-w-a-r-b-i-s Uncle Pete Ficklin can be found at Pete Ficklin. Mr. Quentin Silvertongued, Silver Fox Rayner. Where can people find you on Twitter? Funnily enough, they can find me at Quentin Rayner, which is at uh, Q-U-E-N-T-I-N-R-A-Y-N-E-R. And you, even you are spelling my name correctly now, Roy. To be fair, Quentin. That's a real plus. That is not me. That is uh, Auntie Kerry Warburton that corrected the script. So I still got it wrong. Uh, Rosie P. Rosie P. uh, Where can people catch up with you on Twitter? Um, You can find me at Porty Rosie. So it's P-O-R-T-Y-R-O-S-I-E. Smashing. And I can be found at Royfield if you can be fussed to follow me. Uh, Of course, there is Facebook. And uh, the good news is uh, the US justice system is catching up with uh, Mark Zuckerberg and his uh, anti-competitive goings on, trying to buy up all his competitors and putting a stranglehold on uh, the competitiveness of advertisers wanting to put their wares on the internet. However, even though he's a little bit of a shitbag um facebook in and of itself is not without its merits go onto facebook type in dumpty dum and you get dumpty dum on facebook big up to the flick up posse um we're gonna have a film club this sunday now if you like film why don't you uh, log on to the uh flick up and uh see what film we're all gonna watch and then talk about and then we gather at uh, 6 p.m. UK time, first Sunday of every month, and we talk about a film. So uh, you've got approximately a week, just less than a week, if you uh, want to join the film club uh, to know what the heck we are going to talk about. So log on to the Flick app and you'll see what film uh, we're all going to watch. You watch said film in your own time. And then this Sunday at 6 p.m. UK time, come join us. 
and we will have a right royal time going over a bit of film. There are other things you can do on the Flick app. You can also uh, join the thread where in the world. Um, I love me a bit, bit of Flick app action. One of the lovely threads which is just about winding down is Christmas prep and restrictions and goodness uh, Cheryl had a right royal looking meringue which she made and uh, Caroline P had a whole load of prawns uh, which just looked utterly amazing though I'm not really into prawns myself and Phoebe Figure Lily did a whole load of mince pies so listen go onto the Flick app whatever your passion is whatever you're doing just talk about it there it doesn't have to be about the archers or the podcast but big up to the Flick app Parsi. Which film are you reviewing next then? So people uh, you know what? That's a very good question. I realised this morning... Fundamental. Quentin, well, mm, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> um, somebody he's, did make... He's, he's looking at the Netflix menu now, isn't he? <laughs> look, look, shush, shush. Pat Brown, <laughs> Pat Brown. <laughs> right, yes. Pat Brown uh, said we should do The Dead of Night. Ads Rayner said how about sorry to bother you uh which is a film set in oakland california my, my second home there's a couple of suggestions but i just put out a shout out this morning basically saying come on chop chop uh let, let's decide and i want to go for a bit of a, a classic oldie so i've got to make a decision in the next 48 hours i think so, but why don't you help me with that decision, folks, by uh, suggesting what film we should watch and then review for this Sunday. Now, Quentin Rayner. Yes. I believe we've got all the way through the show and I haven't really asked you how your, well, I haven't really, haven't asked you at all how your Christmas was. That's very kind. Um, when it's been, it's been all right. You know, obviously it's been limited like every, everyone else, but um we managed to get all three of our kids back here in time, so that was lovely. So they've, they've been here. We decided not to hook up with my wife's elderly father. Um, so we had a big Zoom meeting between he hooked up with all his 12 grandchildren, and he stole the show. It was his first ever Zoom, and oh, wow. he's, a, he's a retired vicar. But vicars are show people, really. You know, they, they perform. So he turned up with a whole load a variety of hats and entertained the entire family by alternating anecdotes with different hats so that was one of the highlights of of christmas but um we've had a nice quiet time we went to see a lovely light show at belton house which is a national trust property in lincolnshire and uh, they put on a fantastic light show every year so we went to that last night more people there than i felt comfortable with i have to say pretty socially distanced but um you suddenly become very conscious don't you when there are uh, quite a few people around you, but uh, it was outside. You felt safe. So uh, it's it's been nice, uh, but uh, the, the kids are heading back quite soon. So, you know, the, the heart-wrenching moment will begin, but it's, it's been, uh, it's been consider- considering everything about this year. It's been, it's been, it's been a nice one. Thank you. How are you? Um, I've had a, a quiet one. Um, it's been very, very peculiar for me. So I flew to Canada to be with kids. So I did two weeks worth of quarantine. So I'm in the in-laws and I'm just in a room and um, they've literally been um, knocking the door and giving me trays of food uh, and then picking them up again. And I did that for 14 days just as Southern Ontario went into um, proper super duper lockdown. So on Christmas Eve, all the shops are closed indefinitely uh, apart from essential ones. 
and they've tightened up the restrictions of going around to people's houses. So just as I came out of quarantine, it meant that all I could do for Christmas Day was to stand outside of my kid's house for um, 35 minutes, because this is Canada and it was cold, give presents and just, yeah, it was the most bizarre. So so I've had, yeah, so I flew all this way in effect for that. So... So I'm, I think I'm going to be um, off uh, in the next couple of days because I basically can't really see the kids. So um, oh. Noah came round on Boxing Day with his girlfriend and we stood in the garage of his uh, grandparents for about 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, he like... You're not allowed to go into anyone's house. It's uh, it's not a case of even you know nominating bubbles. It's a case of if you're a household, a physical household, that's just it. So, it's uh, so I've had somewhat of a peculiar Christmas, oh. but one which will go down in yes. the annals. Go down in the annals. Stand, standing in a garage, very yeah. Uh, that was that. That right. was it. But I hear that Santa uh, Rosie was rather kind to you this year. He brought you a house in in, in your stocking, rather big stocking you must have there. It was a very big stocking with a large garden, and then the house almost blew up. It would have been good if Sandra had done some more safety testing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's all safe and secure now. I also have a beautiful Ambridge Addicts or Archers Addicts map of Ambridge, Mm. which I also received on Christmas Day, which is super special. Is that now above your fireplace? It's going to be framed. I'm not sure where it's going to go because I've got a beautiful um, picture of a Finnish summer house above my fireplace, the doomed fireplace. Um, yes. yes, I'm going to frame it because it's beautiful. Right. Mm. Let's hope the Boundary Commission doesn't come in and change the whole map. <laughs> Route B. well done well done you well folks uh there you go we filled that funny bit of year between christmas day and new year's day we filled it up with a dum-de-dum hopefully you've had some entertainment i think quentin was quite good this week what do you how do you reckon quentin did this week rosie i would say exceptional as always oh oh, that's a bit toady in that with that, on. That's brilliant. I'll, I'll take that. Check to the post. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or a backs transfer these days. <laughs> Just do a direct transfer. That's fine for fine. me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> PayPal. Even, even quicker. PayPal. <laughs> um, folks, um, hopefully uh, you've had a good Christmas. Hopefully you've been with uh, your loved ones a little bit longer than I was able to be, be with mine. And uh, we'll see you the other side of the 70th anniversary episode uh, where you'll have you'll have Ficklin and Borbis and they will be uh, piloting the good ship dum dum and basically getting your calls on and how you thought that was. So um, this is me, Royfield Brown, saying Tarara bit, Toodle bit. See you later. What's your sign off, Quentin? I, I, I think when I call her in, I say Toodle Pip, I think. So maybe it'll be Toodle Pip. Uh, Rosemary Porty. Uh, mine. Oh, like that. Be safe. Said very confidently. I don't know what the playout music is this week, folks, but you're listening to it right now. It's going to be corky. It's going to be awesome. Enjoy yourselves. Amazing.